and welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast. I'm your host, Lupna. As you know, if you have listened to any of our previous episodes, the Entrepreneur Sushi Club podcast is a weekly podcast where we give you insight into the personality of successful sushi-adoring entrepreneurs, showing you that success is all about having fun in and with your business without the hustle and the grinding. And I have an amazing guest for you this week. And I know I say this on every episode, but truly every sushi adoring entrepreneur is an amazing human being. Today we have Mark. Mark is the author of The Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. Now I'm curious, I don't know about you, but I'm curious to hear more about that. Mark is educated at MIT and he has spent his career launching and fixing new ventures at startups, Fortune 500s, and academia. He has developed new software languages, interesting, online marketplaces, new authentication systems, and tracked criminals and terrorists on the dark web. I do hope that Facebook will let us go live now. Mark has helped create the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program which is MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he's taught for 20 years. Mark also serves on the boards of non-profit Techie Youth and Plant a Million Corals. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So glad to be here today. It's awesome to have you. Whereabouts are you in the world? I'm reaching out to you from New York City. Ooh, lovely. I do hope I get a chance to get to New York City once in the near future when we can all travel again. So, Mark, what's your favorite sushi and why? One of the most important questions of the podcast. My favorite sushi, it's not very common. It is banana salmon sushi. And I know most people have never heard of that. Banana? Banana salmon. It is a great combination of the saltiness that you get with the salmon, but also the sweetness with the banana, and it goes together. And I really love it. I highly recommend it. Generally, a lot of sushi places, they've got bananas for their fried banana dessert. They have salmon. It might not be on the menu, but ask if they can do it and give it a try. I'm a little bit shell-shocked right now because I don't like banana. All right, that one and might not actually... be for you. <laughs> and it's very serendipitous because I had sushi last Thursday and one of the things on the menu, which I've never seen on the menu in a sushi restaurant in the Netherlands, is banana sushi. Now, that has to be it. I don't believe in coincidence, but I really have to process this whole banana salmon thing. Maybe okay. the universe is leading you to bananas. Yeah, I do hope that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> but why this specific sushi? Because let's be honest, it's an odd combination. Fruit and fish. It is. And I just saw it on a menu at some restaurant and said, okay, I have to try this. It's odd. It's different. Not only is it delicious, but it is this unique combination. And throughout my career, what I've done is I've taken concepts from one industry or one area, and I've applied it to another, usually with a lot of success. So taking these foreign concepts, taking something that isn't common in one particular area, bananas aren't very common in sushi, But when you put it together, you get unique and different and amazing. Awesome. And how long ago did your sushi journey start? It started just after college. The first time I tried sushi, uh, this isn't for me. It's a little salty. 
But then probably a few weeks later, I had a craving for it. It's like the seed was planted. And ever since I've had sushi, in fact, when I first came to New York, I've been here for 16 years, I vowed I would have pizza and sushi each and every week. And while I haven't done that for 16 years, there were periods where I was having sushi on a weekly basis. Oh, wow. I do say, I mean, I can resonate with that. Before COVID, I used to have at least once a week sushi, minimum. I wouldn't do it every day because I was always afraid that if I ate sushi five days a week or seven days a week, I'd never want to have sushi ever again, which is I love sushi too much to ever, ever get in that situation. But yeah, minimum of once a week. I mean, I had sushi twice last week. So I can get that. But what made you try it? Because most of our guests who share their sushi journey start say the idea of raw fish was just beyond them. Was that an issue for you? I was in a fraternity at MIT and some of the seniors, they were going out for sushi. They were big sushi fans. And it was, I think, someone, the time was a friend of the house, this woman we knew from another college, took one of the undergrads out for sushi for him to try. He didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So she brought the sushi back since she knew other people liked it. I thought, okay, well, here's a piece. It's right in front of me. I'll give it a try. And so I think I tried maybe two pieces and that was my first sushi experience. Oh, I love that. And I love that you said it's always with other people. Other people bring you into it. Well, although our guest of last week was someone who tried sushi and it was tuna sashimi after it was pulled out of the water. So it was on a fisherman's boat, which is the most unique starter (laughs) story I've ever heard. So I get that. So we've done two out of the four questions that we tend to ask on every episode of the podcast. The third one is a little bit quirky, a little bit fun. But our purpose is to give insight into the personality of successful sushi adoring entrepreneurs. So are you ready for that question? I'm ready. Cool. I love it when someone is confident. If you, your personality were a sushi, what would the ingredients be and why? I would say rather than one sushi, I would be a sushi boat. I would have lots of sushi, lots of different types. And they wouldn't just be the standard. Sure, there'd be hamachi, there'd be tuna, there'd be all the different varieties. But there'd also be some of these unique and different types of sushi. There would be the banana salmon sushi. There might be a type with peanut butter or sesame seeds or something else that's not traditional because I do a lot of different things. As you noted in my bio, I have a background in cybersecurity. I have a background in startup companies. I've been teaching at MIT for 20 years and not technical skills, but other skills. I have all this other volunteer work. I do a lot of different things in different disciplines. And people have told me time and again, no, you need to focus. You need to just be the cybersecurity guy or just be the person focusing on books. You can't spread yourself too thin. And I've always said, you know what? Life is too short to just eat from one limited part of the menu. I like it all. I want variety. So I'm going to mix things up and have a lot of it. Oh, I love that. I'm a variety person myself. And I tend to describe myself as a multi-passionate person. So I had a very big challenge with all of the business coaches said no you have to focus on one niche and I'm like no I can't I like different things I have different interests but that's a very remarkable combination I mean cybersecurity, career success well MIT and cybersecurity. I can see I can relate to that they go together they go together but what made you love this variety I mean how did you discover you like all of these things 
Maybe I'm just bad at making choices. Even as okay, that's, that's, a, that's a perspective. Even as a young kid, I knew I wanted to study physics and I wanted to study computers and I used to want to go into politics. So my undergraduate degrees are in physics and EECS and a minor in political science. And so I just okay. wanted to do all these different things. And it's just because I like different types of challenges. I love building startups. I love the challenges of what are the technical issues that I get as a CTO, but where are the scaling issues, the fundraising, the strategy issues. But then I like teaching. Of course, I don't want to teach full time. I was also a ballroom champion. I used to teach ballroom as well. I loved going out and training and competing in the ballroom world. And people said you could turn pro, but I don't want to do ballroom all the time. So I like doing a little of different things. And it goes back to lessons I've learned in one discipline help me in another. And that's been a really great boon to my career and success. I love that. So for people that are listening right now and thinking, oh, I'm that type of person. I have a personality that loves different things, different interests, even the odd combinations. I mean, I've had people share with me that how did I ever come up with combining sushi and entrepreneurship and turning it into a podcast, which for them seemed ridiculous. And for me, it's very logical. But what would you advise people listening and thinking, but the rest of the world is telling me, focus, make a decision? Well, first, you could find ways to perhaps focus on intersection. Suppose I really love ballroom dancing and cybersecurity. Well, one natural combination is to say, I'm going to be a cybersecurity consultant. Okay, there's a bunch of those out there. How am I any different? Well, I am the cybersecurity consultant to the ballroom community because I know how to reach the ballroom studios. I know how to reach the dance community. You can expand it, maybe start with ballroom, but then go to dance broader. From there, maybe go to the yoga studios and related studios. And you say, what's the intersection of these different ideas? And you can stay narrow, but keep one foot in different areas. Another thing you can do is focus on one, but pay attention to the other. And are there ideas, are there concepts that you can bring in to make it more interesting or unique. So for example, I used to work in digital media and I looked mm -hmm. at different digital media models and how the world was evolving. So when I wrote my book, I realized there was an opportunity to create a new type of app that expands the book, that takes it further. No one had done this in publishing, but because I had a slightly different background from a different part of digital media, I recognized the opportunity. Mm. And that's interesting. That's actually embracing your desire for variety, but also being innovative because it usually is the odd combinations that can turn out into great startups or great ideas or great solutions for challenges that we have right now in the world. Exactly right. Everyone in a given industry, they look at the world this way. This is how we've done it. And they're looking at incremental changes. But when you come out yeah. from over here, when you come out from a different industry, different background, you're going to see different opportunities and risks and challenges. You're going to look at different types of solutions and that can create evolution. You reminded me just now of the quote by Albert Einstein is you can't solve a problem or a challenge by the same level of thinking that created it. And basically what you are the personification of is doing all of that and combining it so that you can always come at it from a different perspective. So I've got a challenge for you, Mark. All right. Saki it to me. Okay, I will. How do you combine sushi with cybersecurity? Sushi and cybersecurity, this actually is a real issue. There are supply chain issues 
where they wonder about the quality of the fish, the freshness, can you track where it came from? This is needed because of overfishing issues as well as food safety issues. In fact, a friend of mine, he is the cybersecurity expert at the FDA, the US Food and Drug Administration trying to protect our food and medical supplies. He probably embodies it. Dr. Kevin Fu embodies sushi and cybersecurity. So you can put it together to say, how do we make sure our supply chain of fresh fish and other food is safe and secure and we can track where it came from. Hmm. But how would a criminal on the dark web look at this combination of sushi? They might be eating sushi while they're plotting their next crime. That's probably what I would be doing. But they might <laughs> look at ways they could help people who are trying to do illegal fishing maybe changing some type of documentation for them to get around certain quotas or limitations or illegal importing. So there's always been a black market for certain types of food. And I think yeah. we see some of that on the dark web. Oh, I just thought of another challenge. Are you ready for another one? All right, round two. Round two. What's the combination or the intersection between sushi and teaching? Okay, this one is a little harder. I would say we can look at teaching like sushi in that when you think of nigiri sushi, there is a uh -huh. base, there is the rice, there's that underlying base that you have to create that's a foundation for how you learn and how you understand. But then when we get to advanced learning, when we think about grad school, that's where students start to go in their own individual directions And that's where you pick the particular type of fish that goes on it. And that's going to be different for each person. So you start with the same foundation, but then you go in different directions. That's a good answer. I wouldn't have thought of that one. <laughs> oh, great. Great intersection. I hadn't thought about that one. I'm glad you're putting me on the spot. It's creating <laughs> innovative answers. Oh, but believe you me, I love challenges and I love variety just like anyone else. This is fun to combine two things. And the reason I'm doing this is to give people a couple of examples of how you can think about combining two things that seem uncombinable. Because you could think about sushi and teaching and think, how am I ever going to get those two combined? It's the same intention behind our question of if your personality were a sushi, how would you describe it? which gives our guests the opportunity to really think, okay, if I choose salmon, sashimi, well, what does it represent? Is it the softness? Is it the comfort? Is it the niceness? What does it tell us about your personality? And it just brings your brain into a new state so you can see different things. And while you're seeing different things, you can come up with different solutions or different ideas that you couldn't have thought about if you stayed in the same patterns of thinking that you have right now. So, yeah, thank you for playing two rounds of the challenge game. <laughs> This is a technique I've actually used at companies where we all throw out words and we combine them to random things. It might yeah. be some combination. You think like dog shoes. Okay, can we create dog shoes? Is there a need? Well, it turns out there is when they yeah. walk in the snow or elsewhere. Here, if you think about the sushi example, the concept of foundation plus going beyond, maybe you have a platform and you're thinking we should divide up into the foundational part versus the additional. So it's exactly what you're saying. You want to just throw out random ideas, see where that leads, because it's going to get you thinking about things differently. And I do this exactly in some of my businesses. Yeah. And I think that entrepreneurship is all about solving problems. But 
coming up with solutions that other people might not have thought about. So you have to make new combinations and trigger yourself. I remember that when I learned how to facilitate brainstorms and creative facilitation, that's exactly what they did. We'd have questions like, okay, well, what if Superman was here? How would he solve this challenge right now? And everyone would go, Superman? What does Superman (laughs) have to do with it? But just think about the characteristics of Superman and the way that he thinks and he looks at things. If you were in this room with us together, just think about it, put yourself in his shoes and broaden your perspective because it brings you into another world and new thinking. So I really love that. You already alluded to it, Mark. You're an author of the Career Toolkit and especially the subtitle triggered something for me. What are some of the things that they don't teach us about success that we should absolutely know? Think about skills, leadership, networking, negotiation, even how to run effective meetings, how to interview. Many of us have been taught, oh, here's how to answer these questions. But as entrepreneurs, we have to hire other people. No one sat us down and said, here's how to interview others. And it really got to me. We've all heard networking, right? We've heard that since we were kids. So important, who you know, not what you know. But no one sat us down and said, here's how to do it effectively. So there are these 10 skills. And it's not just what I woke up one day and thought, oh, these sound important. This is based on research we've done at MIT and similar research elsewhere where companies are saying, these are the skills that make someone effective. This is what we want to hire for. And as an entrepreneur, this is what you should be hiring for. But it's really hard to find. And having taught it for 20 some years at MIT and elsewhere, I wanted to put into a book so we could help other people do it. Well, that's really interesting because I know, was it the World Economic Forum who published the 21st Century Skills? I think they have a set. There have been a number of these sets of the skills. And really, if you look at any one set, it's going to be 90% similar to another. That goes, I think, a little deeper into data skills, for example, into practical skills. Oh, If you're just serving burgers at McDonald's, you're in trouble. So that's going more, I think they identified dozens or scores or even hundreds, but these are foundational skills. These are skills, no matter what industry you're in, these are going to help you. No matter what job function, these skills underlie what you're doing. Well, that sounds like we're connected to the sushi and the sushi example that we had when we intersected sushi with teaching. This is the rice. This is the rice. This is the rice that any, no matter what you're going to be doing, whether you go for a job or you're going for entrepreneurship, it's going to help you no matter what. Your um, network okay, can that's... help everywhere. Learning how to negotiate. It's not just about selling to customers and getting more money. You negotiate with your coworkers as well as suppliers and others. These are foundational skills. Oh, yeah, I totally resonate with that. I mean, I used to be in a corporate job as an IT auditor, which is basically we're the policemen and women who come after you because you need to be compliant. So cybersecurity is a topic that I can talk about for quite a while. I used to audit the cybersecurity policies and and rules of the Dutch government here in the Netherlands for many, many, many years. But most of our clients would say, but why do I have to? What are the risks? And we used to see risks that they didn't see. And that required negotiation skills to present our reports and to get them and make them aware of some of the things that they need to be aware, they can still decide to do nothing, but at least it's an informed decision instead of a gut decision around some of these security, information security. So it's really foundational. And I love that you're advocating that. So let's get to some tips, some very tangible tips for the person that is listening to us right now. 
what can they do if they've never been taught these life and leadership skills in the educational system? Because it's not there. You should start learning today. Consider if you just learn to negotiate, you spend a couple hours, read a book like mine, read another book, take a class. And if all your negotiations got just 1% better, what would that do to your bottom line? What would that do to your sales? What would it do to your profits? Right, That's going to pay itself back within a matter of weeks. Isn't it worth investing that time? Now, it's obvious with negotiations. You say, oh, okay, right, I just got more money or more benefit. Well, that's true for all of these. No one's going to say, well, you're a better communicator. Here's 1% more. It's a little more subtle, but all of these skills, it's not about being the world's best. It's about getting just a little bit better. And one of the best ways to do that is to form a group with other people. Create a local meetup group or any type of local community. Because how we've learned in the past, if you go and take a class on accounting or cybersecurity or sushi making, the instructor is going to stand up and say, here's how to do it. Remember, roll it like this. Or remember, here's the accounting regulations. Say, okay, and write it down. And you're just memorizing. There is no simple memorization to leadership. There's no, remember these three things and you're a leader. There's no algorithm for communications. These are subtle, complex skills. And the best way to learn them, form a group, take a book like mine. You can chop up into pieces and say, we're all going to read pages 10 to 20 this week. And then we're going to discuss them. It's in that discussion. We're going to talk about, oh, you know, I learned this or I had a situation where I had this problem. And you're going to share, well, here's how you would have solved it. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I never would have thought of that. And we get a much more rich discussion than if we do it on our own. And I said you can use my book and you can, but you can also use lots of other books. It doesn't have to be mine. I don't want you to think I'm just trying to get you to get your friends to buy my books. I've got a download on my website for how you can create these groups and put in whatever content you want, including great podcasts like this one. Listen to this podcast every week. Discuss the topics in the podcast, hopefully over sushi. <laughs> I do hope over sushi. And I do agree with you because as much as people believe that just by reading a book you can learn, it's not enough. And it's better to talk about it. It's even better to teach it to someone else. And I love your suggestion of forming a group because you can not only discuss all of the concepts that you learn on a consistent basis over time, you can also practice amongst yourself and see how you progress over time. Because especially with things like leadership and communication and negotiation, the more you do it, the more you're going to start feeling confident in your mastery and the more likely you're going to do it in the real world afterwards. But it's great to have that small group, safe group, and we can test drive everything that you learn from that perspective. So, Mark, thank you so very much for sharing that. And for the person that's listening right now and thinking, I want that book, I need that book, where can they get it? You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. It's going to look a lot like this. There you can see where to buy the book on Amazon. You can get it through local bookstores and libraries as well. There's also a way to contact me. You can download the free companion app they mentioned. I've got a link from the website to the Apple and Android store. That's going to help reinforce these lessons. There's a resources page, and that has a download of how you can create these learning groups, links to other resources, other great books, free tools, free case studies so you can practice together. All of this is linked from my website as well as how to contact me at thecareertoolkitbook.com. 
Awesome, Mark. We'll make sure that we add that link to your website in the description with this episode. Any parting words as we wrap our time up together? Try not to spill soy sauce on the book. It will make it hard to read. But do look at this book. Do use the app. Come back to it regularly. These skills are not one and done. So spend time ideally with others continually improving on these skills. Awesome, Mark. Thank you so very much for joining us on the show. And for you that is listening to this episode, thank you so much for choosing to invest your valuable time and listening to this episode specifically with Mark. We would love to know, as always, what has been your biggest insight and takeaway. Do take a moment to share it with us in our Facebook group called the Entrepreneur Sushi Club. Or make sure that we add the link to our community in the description with this episode so you can let us know if you have bought the book. Maybe we could even start a meetup, a virtual meetup ourselves and practice all of these skills. I'm ordering the book. I hope you are doing that too. And again, if you know someone, and I'm sure you know a lot of people that could benefit from listening to this episode, please do share it with them. 